It is a, a scarcity in our reality in our world today where gratitude and just a, a posture of a thank you is seldom heard now in society. Uh, this morning, we're going to consider uh, from Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8, although we're not going to visit all the verses, but I think there's enough meat in the text that will allow us to just sit back and not be in a hurry to run through the Scripture, but allow the Spirit of God to speak to us through His Scripture. And um, so that is my prayer. And as we set up for the text, um, I wanted to start just with this short thought about prayer altogether. Um, so I think about my childhood. I think about my, my uh, habits of praying. And, you know, I've heard all kinds of, I think I've been in church so long now that I, I, I've heard all kinds of prayers and uh, some formal, some less informal, um, some spontaneous, some more liturgical, uh, whatever the case. Here's a prayer that most of you will probably have heard by now, and if you haven't, this will be the first time you hear it. But um, it goes something like this, and in different types of contexts, you might have heard this, maybe in a movie or somewhere, but this will bring some, some, some thought, some emotions to your, to, your, to your thought pattern this morning. It goes something like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Now, most of us probably know that much, but probably haven't considered what was the last sentence of that prayer. And the last part of that prayer goes something like this. If I should live for other days, I pray the Lord to guide my ways. And, and, and so I'm not going to criticize the prayer, nor am I going to speak for pro. It's a great prayer. Um, but I think the text this morning has something to teach us about prayer being something a lot more than just a collection of words. And so um, let's read the text, and then we're going to start our time in prayer. So the text goes something like this, Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8, which most scholars believe that this is one part of a very lengthy prayer. So if you've read anything about the Apostle Paul, you'll know that sometimes he'll say long prayers. It's kind of like uh, my father-in-law. When we would ask him to pray uh, uh, for, for a meal, that was like the thing you didn't want to do because he would pray and pray and pray and pray. Pray for the missionaries and the church and the pastor and the country and everything. Like, dude, can you just pray for me? <laughs> Not to be rude, but... So we, we played a, a trick on my father for one of those long, lengthy prayers he was doing. We took away his plate of food. So when he got, he shortened up his prayers. He finally got the, <laughs> he finally got the message that, hey, I shouldn't be praying extended prayers while we're going about to eat. Um, but, but nonetheless, the text reads this way. Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8, and it reads something like this. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, 
Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the, world, in the whole world, it is being fruit, bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is faithful, a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. So, Father, this morning, as we pause to reflect uh, the opening verse of this long prayer, I would hope that you would speak to us, Father, in developing what Paul had as an attitude or a virtue of thankfulness. And, and Lord, as we enter the fall, uh, fall represents many things in many cultures, especially in agricultural uh, settings where it represents the harvest and it represents a time of gratefulness and thankfulness. And Lord, we will soon be uh, celebrating some special times and with that, um, uh, a family ha fall harvest uh, festival and, uh, and then we have Thanksgiving and then which leads up to Advent. And so Lord, uh, we pray that as uh, this season uh, just brings and, and reminds us of, of a, a posture of gratitude we pray this morning that your spirit would speak to us through the words of the scripture and remind us about the importance of having this same posture of thankfulness and why we should be thankful and why we should be grateful, Lord. And where does that derive from? So, Father, uh, bless our time. Be with our dear sisters who are still on their retreat, uh, our online audience that's listening. Father, we pray that your spirit would transcend space and time, and they too would be edified by the teaching of your word. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. Well, um, so this is a very, uh, very, uh, as I stated earlier, it's a very long prayer. And um, again, we all have different uh, uh, beliefs or, or we, we view prayer very differently. Some people, they're like early morning people. They say like, you got to seek the Lord at three o'clock in the morning or at four o'clock in the morning. Well, I'm a nocturnal type of guy, so I don't pray that early. I'm usually sleeping and dreaming still. But I can seek God at a later time into the wee hours of the morning. So... Uh, Everyone has different patterns, but I think here, um, as we're going to consider this text, I think some, some things that we need to just sit on and, and, and just consider is that word, um, thanksgiving. Uh, in the original language, that word, always thankful, thankful, um, is where, where we get the root word, Eucharist. Uh, and so when you think of the word Eucharist, you usually think of, you know, Catholic, more liturgical type of setting, but um, this is, a, a, this is a, a call, an appeal. This is a description of, of what that word really means, and it, it's, it simply means thanksgiving. So, uh, in our English context, we can understand this as a thanksgiving prayer. 
And as we're going to note uh, just a little bit uh, further, uh, you know, this, 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 uh, this thankfulness or this thanksgiving that Paul is, is addressing here, notice the text there in verse 3. It's addressed to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So just very short, and we can conclude this sermon for today, um, thanksgiving is directed always in Scripture to God the Father. It's directed to God. And so this is a, another reason that we have to ask ourselves, if we are not thankful, then we need to ask, why not? If we are, are short and, and, and we don't think about being grateful, if we, oh, it's kind of tough because we all have situations and sometimes I've even caught myself, uh, um, um, you know, walking into the store and I have all these things going in my head and I forget to say thank you. Or, 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 or um, as I taught my sons, uh, my sons, uh, uh, since they were little, I said, always open the door for your mom. You're walking into a, a store, be a gentleman, open the door. We're walking towards the car, be a gentleman. If, if we're all there, I would expect one of my sons to rise to the occasion and open the door for their mom, because this is what I've taught them. And so that type of, uh, uh, of posture and thought in our lives is, is what Paul is describing here. Now, I have to mention, this isn't prescriptive. This, he's not prescribing this to us. This is descriptive. So he's describing to us, or, or it's, it's, it's being, we're being shown and we're being let in into Paul's personal habit of prayer here. And so that, that's, that's, that's how he starts. And notice, if we if just observe a few other places in Colossians when you're, where you're going to find the word giving thanks. For example, Colossians 1.12. Look how he says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Or how about Colossians 2.7, rooted and built it up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Wow, what a great reminder of this, huh? How about Colossians 3.15, right? And the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Oh, there it is again, right? And, and, and then one more text there, uh, Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. There it is again. So, so we see how this, the, the, this word thanksgiving is, is developed and used and is a motive uh, throughout the book of Colossians. Now, again, it's important for us because here, here's what I did. I, I wanted to share just a little bit of how I unpack Scripture. So the next slide you're going to see is what I would call a, a chiasm or chiasmus, however you want to say that. But basically, if you observe the text, um, this is how you would take verses 3 through 8. And, and you would form this chiasm um, to show you and, and kind of highlight for you when you're doing biblical analysis. Uh, it, it shows you what is the heart of the matter of the text. 
What is the heart of this prayer, of this first part of prayer? And very interestingly enough, so for example, you see there in letter A, right? If you think of an arrow, it kind of goes like this. And then you start pairing up concepts, verbs, or repetitions uh, that, that, that surface in, in, in the Bible. For example, you might get Mark chapter 2, verse 27, where Jesus said the following, The Sabbath was made for man. Right? The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the seven. That's, that's a perfect example of a chiasm or a chiasmus. But here, you see point A, you know, since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all saints. Look at the bottom uh, A in verse 7. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. Um, look at point B. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before the word of the truth. What is the word of the truth? The gospel, right? Different synonyms that, that are used here to describe the word. Look at the, the, the bottom part of uh, B, in 6B, it, as it also does among you since the day you heard it. What is it referring to? The gospel. The word of truth. And so that word of truth, uh, uh, just since the day that you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. So here, he, he's, he's using the same word to describe the gospel as the grace of God in truth. But then, if you take a step further back, right, so you start seeing this chiasmus working together, you get to letter C, which is, which is what many believe is the heart of this prayer. And what is the heart of the prayer? Which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, as it is bearing fruit and increasing. Uh, th this is very uh, important for us as a church because we tend to measure church by the attendance. Oh man, where's all the people at? I, I'll be honest, I was, I was kind of like, I, I had mixed emotions coming to this Sunday because I thought, man, how many people are going to be in church this morning? And I'm glad you're all here. <laughs> I'm glad you're all here. But, but, but we're also celebrating that we have a lot of people who are traveling. And we have a lot of people who are, a lot of the mainly ladies that are at the women's retreat. Praise God. I saw some pictures on social media and I was just like, yeah, this is awesome. I'm glad. And I, okay. Guys, the ladies have put up a, a standard here. They, they have T-shirts for the retreat. I'm not going to the retreat unless there's a T-shirt. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. No, but, but that was awesome. Uh, and I'm all excited about that. And, and, and I'm glad. But here's the heart of the matter, right? What has come to them? Ask yourself that question. What has come to the, the believers in Colossae? The gospel. Pause for a minute here. I, I know I have so many things to talk about, but pause for a minute. When was the last time you joyfully shared the good news of Jesus and when it came to your life? When was the last time you talked to your neighbors, to your coworkers, uh, uh, young people, to your friends at school, and talked to them about this radical dude from Nazarene that, 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 that was wearing sandals that probably had uh, long hair like the picture show it? But when was the last time you shared with anyone about the joy of your salvation? 
And, and I think there's something there that gets to the heart. We're going to sit on this for, for the next two more Sundays that at least I teach. I don't know what Tim Jacobs is going is to do. But, but when he visits us, praise God, we're going to receive the word. But for us in our study, we want to sit on, on these texts. And I know that there's a tendency to just run off, but I think God just wants to pull us back a little bit and have us sit on the word prayer. Because that's what this is, prayer. And it's a prayer of thanksgiving. But I believe there's some great truths in this prayer of thanksgiving that we want to we unpack. So again, um, so verse 3, right? We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. So here's, here's what this meant to me, and here's uh, some of the things that I processed, and I want to share them for you, with you. I want to share these with you and, and just kind of let's walk through these very quickly. So, for example, the first thing that we want to consider this morning is, what was prayer for Paul? Because I, I, I think we have, you know, um, notions about what prayer, and when we consider prayer in the Scripture, I, I, I encourage a dear friend this past week, to do a word search on the word prayer and, 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 and see how it's used throughout the whole, from Genesis to Revelation, see how it's used. And it's interesting, if you've ever done this type of search or study, you're going to find that there's all kinds of prayers and there's all kinds of approaches to prayer. So sometimes when we think of prayer, we think, well, you know, you need to be humbled and prostrate and you need to have this type of uh, 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 approach to prayer and it's got to be in the church, it's got to be very sacred and da, da, da. And you read that until you get to somebody like Lamentations where, you know, it wasn't so structured. It was a very emotional prayer. Or if you read some of the Psalms, right? If you read some of the songs, there's thanksgiving prayers, but then there's also laments. There's joyful and, and, and jubilant prayers, and then there's also supplications. And then, and then you'll read communal prayers. Those are all like um, uh, different types of prayers, but they're communal. When the people of God gather together and they seek God for either direction or protection or, 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 or just some, some discernment of sorts, which you find heavily throughout the book of Acts. The book of Acts was a praying church. Um, before they started resorting to many, many of the things that we have today, the tools, the organizational strategies, and, and da-da-da, you can add uh, all those things that you want. One of the, the most uh, uh, living evidences of the New Testament church is that it was a praying church. It was a prayer. When they had, when they were threatened, when they were persecuted, when they were sick, when they had financial need, the church came together and they prayed. And there's a good, significant lesson for us to draw there uh, from. But what did Paul uh, uh, think about prayer? And to, to, to kind of unpack this, right, you read, for example, um, uh, Colossians 1.9. L- look how he, he used it. He said, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to, we have not ceased to pray for you. Did Paul pray 24-7 for these people? 
I mean, did he live the rest of his life and praying constantly? Everything he did, like he didn't relate to people around him. He was just praying for the, 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 the believers in Colossians. I don't know if it, that's what it means. I don't think that's what it's hinting. But, but there, there's a, a frequency of it. Uh, for example, look at Colossians 4, uh, 2 and 3. It says, continue steadfastly in prayer. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Being watchful in it with, there's that word again, thanksgiving. Is it possible to approach God with a grateful heart yet being upset? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, uh, for example, Hosea complained to God. He said, God, what's going on? Where's your promises? When will they be fulfilled? Right? He wasn't being disrespectful. But I think there's something about allowing... Is it, so we're studying this, this book, right? Knowing God from G.I. Packer on Thursdays, right? And, and, and that's a, it's one of the, the things that we studied with the guys this, this past Thursday was, hey, it's not just about being uh, a knowing God, but it's also being known by God. And I think when, we're, when we allow ourselves... And it's not that God needs to know us. He already knows us. He's the creator of all things. So then why pray if he already knows what I have a need for? And I think this is where, 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 where uh, Paul, Paul is leading us. Um, I read an article by Crew. Great ministry. You can go. I can give you the link. You can go read. It's an article on prayer. And, and within that article, um, they asked the question, so why do some people or some Christians particular, Christians, that's the key word here. That's the, that's, that's the scripture. But you say, why do some Christians choose not to pray? Now, now, here's some, you may agree with it, you may not agree with it, but hey, I thought this was good and relevant to our subject on prayer of thankfulness. And here's, why do some people choose, uh, uh, sometimes decide not to pray? Um, and you can get into statistics. There's some statistics that are very high. Even among evangelical Christians, there's about 80% of evangelical Christians that believe fervently in prayer, but then what do you do with, with that other 20% that don't believe in prayer? That is concerning. So here's, here's some of the reasons they get. Fear of disappointment. Huh? Fear of disappointment. Um, have, you ever, have you ever brought a need to God and felt like he did not, he did not do what you hoped for? I, 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 I speak with people all the time and, and it's like, Man, I was praying that God would heal my mom from cancer and, and, and let her live so many years. And I said, I even promised I'll change my ways. And God didn't hear my prayer. That's a real thing. Uh, so, so you might resonate with that one. And, 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 and you need to know that God is completely willing to hear and listen to you no matter how you feel about him at that moment. Okay, uh, here's another one. Struggling to pray the right way. Have you ever been asked to pray at church or at a Bible study? You're all like, your feet, your, your knees are kind of like, <laughs> right? You're, you're, you, 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 it's hard, right? And sometimes they catch you off guard and they're like, man, I like the way that dude prayed. Can he keep praying and praying and praying and praying for the rest of us? It's like, but, but, but this is a real thing. You know, they struggle 
with the feeling that you're doing something wrong. Okay? Um, how about, now here's a big one, and I kind of wrestled with this one, but, 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 but follow me for a minute here. Pride. That's another reason why people don't pray. Pride. Uh, their comment was, there's, there's no getting away from the fact that sometimes you just want to do the things in your own strength rather than relying on God, right? Isn't that, 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 that an element of pride? We kind of tend to be like Frank Sinatra, I did it my way, <laughs> right? We want to do it our way. But in reality, my friends, when we pray, it's one of the greatest demonstra- demonstrations on our dependence on the Father, it's one of the ways that we say to God and we express, Lord, I feel this way. This hurts. This doesn't feel good. This, this, Lord, I need you to do something about this. But it, it leads us to acknowledging and, and, and in a certain way, um, not physically, but, but of the heart, to submit and, and really consider the power, the greatness, the immensity of our Lord. And that's what prayer uh, uh, does. So, as we just, you know, ponder on some of those days, some of those, those facts there, God wants us to know. He desires for us to know um, Him in a way that's going to transform us in every aspect of who we are. Don't stop praying. Don't stop being grateful, even when it hurts. Even when it feels raw. Take that and come before the Lord and open your heart, open your life, express to him your anger, express to him your disappointment. But I also submit to you, also express to him who he is. He is holy, and he is an all-loving God. Truth and grace, John 1, 14, right? So, so that, that, that's in there. Um, I kind of uh, like this definition here, so I included it in there from the Lexham Bible Dictionary. It defined um, prayer this way. This is the more technical for those of you who are like uh, bookworms and, and, and study nerds. So here's the more technical, technical uh, definition on prayer. Communication with God. Primarily offered in the second person voice, addressing God directly. But notice what prayer may include. It may include petition, Sometimes we, we, sometimes we, we come before the Lord, Lord or, you know, even, even as we're saying, like, God, okay, thanks, you know, for everything, but <laughs> that but usually takes, you know, priority in our prayers, right? Petition. How about entreaty? To entreat Him. How about supplication or thanksgiving or praise? How about hymns? How about lament? Have you ever approached God without even words? Have you ever come to a point in life when you just go before the Lord and, you're, and you're, you have this, this deep, this deep um, emotional cry and you don't have the words to express your emotions and all you end up doing is beating your chest and you say, mmm, mmm, mmm. That's another form of prayer. In fact, Paul would say, the groans that we express are the groans of the Spirit that communicates to God. God understands them, even when we don't understand them. 
And so, so this prayer, right? So that, that's the first thing. How, what is Paul unpacking about prayer? Well, it, it was something for him. It wasn't a, a, another list of things to do. It was, it was a lifestyle. Psalm chapter 1, right? Many of you know it. Blessed is the man who meditates on your word. Dan, is he really saying that we have to meditate on God's word 24-7? Right? I think is as much as when you recall, recall the goodness of God's word and his truth in your life. And you could be driving, you could be swimming, you could be eating, you could be on vacation. Meditate on God's word. Okay, secondly, who was Paul praying for? Right? We have to ask the question of the text. Who, when we pray for you, sometimes we read this and we're thinking like, okay, it's singular. But again, uh, analysis of the, of, the, of the original language, that you is plural. So he's talking to the Colossians. Okay, when we, who's we? Many people believe it was him and his co-laborers, those who serve in, in the Lord's service, right? Those who are involved in ministry, they are praying. I want you to hear this church and friends online. I am praying for you. And I'm praying for your wellness. And I'm praying that God would just prosper you and protect you. And I pray that God would preserve you. And so, so, again, who was he praying? Well, that was simple, right? He, it, it, was, it was him and his co-laborers, Epaphras maybe. It, it was, it was uh, Tychicus. It was uh, Timothy. It was all his, 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 his collective friends in ministry that would say, hey, let's come together and pray for the believers of Colossae. That's a powerful image when we consider that there are those who are praying for us especially those who God places in spiritual leadership, like the elders and even staff that take time and pray for you. I hope you would be encouraged by that, not just by the words of the scripture, but by the practice of those of us who are involved in ministry and in lay leadership. Third, notice how frequent was Paul thankful? Because I, I got to say, you know, again, um, if we, if we go back to the context, the background of this, of, of Colossians, where was Paul? He was in prison. I, I would dare say his situation was not favorable. So usually when we think of, man, you're blessed, brother, it's because we look at your material possessions. We look at your car, the nice clothes you wear, and usually we try to associate blessings with that. But blessings is, mu it, 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 is it includes some material things, but it's not all. In fact, I would dare say that being blessed, right, would be holistic wellness. Um, I think the Jews, with, well, the Hebrew people, uh, they would say shalom, right? When they, when they use the word shalom, peace, what does that mean, right? Peace, wellness. Uh, enjoy this peace. So peace is not just the material, but it's also the spiritual, the emotional, um, uh, it's all the dimensions of our life that we are experiencing wellness and we are experiencing the peace of God. Right again, John chapter 14, Jesus says, I give you peace, not as the world gives, but peace that surpasses all understanding. That's, that's, that's where this thankfulness is rooted in. How can you be thankful when your situation is bad? It's bleak. How do you give Glory to God. I mean, I've, I've heard all kinds of... Uh, a dear friend of mine, her, her name is, um, was Maria Contreras. 
When I met uh, Maria early in my first uh, uh, year, when I moved to Minnesota, uh, I met her. She was so broken. And, and I met with her, and she came to my office. We talked, and I said, how can, how can I pray for you today? And, and she said, you know what, Pastor, I'm just tired. And I said, okay, well, what are you tired of? And she said, you know, I'm beat. I've been told all kinds of things about my, my, my current health situation. But one thing she says, she says, I've heard some people tell me that I'm sick because I'm in sin. I said, oh. And I, and I responded to her. I said, you know, for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, right, that Romans chapter 8, verse 1, for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. I said, I said to Mary, I said, you know, I want you to be encouraged. Even in your sin, if God does not heal you, if this is his will for you, live in it and always be grateful through it. You're right where you need to be, whether the healing comes or not. Well, she's been made fully healed. She, a couple years ago, she passed away. Um, today, she's fully healed with the Lord. And her daughter, her only daughter, is thriving. She's finally completing her college degree, and she's becoming a journalist. Praise the Lord for that. We, we, see, so, so again, this thankfulness is not result-driven. It's dependence-driven. It's a posture of recognizing the sovereignty of God. So he says, he says we, we always pray for you. Again, um, if you do some just, again, for the bookworms and, 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 and those who love to do literally, uh, literal uh, analysis, always in the original language modifies we give thanks or when we pray. So, so you think of this word always, a continual, uh, a, 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 a frequent, right? Well, it, it's very clear. When we pray, so it wasn't all the time. It was when they gathered together to pray for. And it was brought into remembrance. So I would ask you, when you remember me, pray for me. Pray for godly wisdom, discernment, and dependence on the Lord to be able to lead our church into the, the, the future. But then I, I want you to also know that I pray for you, that God would keep you and preserve you and strengthen you and provide for you right? So it's a mutual uh, 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 prayer that goes on here. Here's how he used it in other writings. For example, in 1 Corinthians 1.4, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, right? That was from 1 Corinthians 1.4. How about 1 Thessalonians um, 1.12? He says, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. Uh, how about 2 Thessalonians 1.3? Look, look what he says. We ought to always give, to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as, it is, as, as is right, because of your faith is growing abundantly and the love for every one of you and for one another is increasing. There it is again. The prayer, the constancy of it. And then in, in Philemon, uh, verse 4, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. There it is again. 
So this constancy, this frequency, this, 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 um, this uh, constant uh, time of prayer for Paul. And then uh, fourth, and finally here, we, we read in the text, um, uh, verse 3, the last, uh, the middle part here. Paul's thankfulness was always directed to God, right? I mentioned that earlier. Um, again, this is not a prayer that it might seem like it's made to the brothers in Colossians, but in reality, this is, not a, this is not what we would call a horizontal prayer. This is a vertical prayer to God the Father on their behalf. And that's what he was getting to. So again, um, one scholar noted this as saying, hey, here, here's what Paul was highlighting when he mentioned, um, uh, this is what he was describing when he, when he mentioned the word God the Father of Jesus Christ. And notice, he uses two words here, right? Jesus uh, uh, which we associate with the man, and Christ, which we associate with the Messiah, the, the, the anointed one, the one that, was, uh, that, was, uh, that, that Israel, the promised Messiah to Israel. So here's the thing. Uh, when, when he says God the Father of Jesus Christ, he's suggesting, he's suggesting that Jesus is the Son, the Son, as the scholar described it, even as Paul will later describe Jesus as his God's beloved son. Colossians 1.13. You can read that and it's there. The importance of the, of the combination of the word. We refer to Jesus as Jesus the Lord. And we also know that he's also used as the Christ. The anointed one. The promised one. The word I enjoyed of, uh, in this is the word Lord. When we think of the word Lord, we think about supremacy or preeminence, right? And, and we, we consider Jesus the Lord. Well, in our Western mind, we don't run that because we, we, we elect presidents. But in more uh, Eastern countries where you have kings and princes, they call them the majesty or your lordship. But that's what it's alluding to here. It's the same word that you read Lord here in Colossians 1.3. In the Septuagint, it's the same word in the Old Testament for Yahweh. Right? So when we read Lord Jesus Christ, you can associate that word with Yahweh God of the Old Testament. And so that's very important in our reading and lecture and consideration of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He is Lord. He is Lord not only of my life, of our lives. He is the Lord over everything that we do here. He is the Lord over everything we aspire to do. He is Lord of our thoughts, of our hearts, of all of, who, of our existence. And so this is beautiful as we consider, what does all this mean for us? What does all this mean for us? And, you know, as, as, we, as we launch for the next few weeks on prayer and, and then how this is going to unpack and unravel using that chiasmus, uh, getting to the heart of the gospel, and then the intercession prayer, this is what it means. So if, you, if you're like me, sometimes you struggle with prayer. Sometimes you don't want to pray. Especially if there's a football game going on there and you really want to watch that football, you're all like... <laughs> You struggle. Or you just have too many things going on. Well, there was a guy in, in church history by the name of Origen. 
And Origen, um, he developed what this, uh, this type of prayer, and again, this isn't prescriptive, so don't think, hey, well, Pastor Paulo wants me to pray. No, no, no. This is just a tool. You're free to use it. You're free not to use it. You might have your own tool that you use for prayer. But he, if you don't, here's a simple tool that might help you um, um, develop that habit of prayer. So, so Origen, he, he developed this, uh, this, this phrase called Acts. You might have heard about it. Uh, it's just a tool that you could use to help you develop and, 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 and cultivate uh, that habit of prayer. And, and here's, 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 here's what, it's an acrostic, so acts, very quickly, acts, adoration is the A, adoration. So, you know, again, we say when you approach God in prayer, and maybe you're just feeling all messed up emotionally, and that's okay. Don't ever hold back from approaching God that way. If God can't handle your emotions, then he's not God. He's great. He's loving. So, so you think about him, who he is. We sang it just a little while ago. He is both holy, but then he's also merciful and loving and compassionate. Right? So both things have to come in my adoration. So the, Psal- the Psalter in Psalm 105 might say, his truth endures through all generations. Psalm 100, verse 5, right? Think about that. His truth endures throughout all generations. Even when we think that generation is lost, God's truth endures. Interesting. Secondly, how about confession? You know, when you think of that acrostic of of Acts, you know, what is confession? Well, you know, I think think the Psalter, David in particular, Psalm 32, phenomenal. If you want to talk about the, the, the power of forgiveness, Man, that's a great psalm to read. But, but look, uh, verses 3 through 5. When I kept silent about my sin, my body was wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality failed as with dry heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you as, as I did not hide my guilt. I said, I will confess my wrongdoings to the Lord, and you forgave me. The guilt of my sin. Praise God. He loves you. He loves me. You know, this week I wanted to sing, uh, Caesar, I wanted to sing that song, Oh, how he loves you and me. But, you, you, you know, I can't sing, so <laughs> I won't even try it. But that, that song was so burning in my heart. Because truly the Lord loves us and he invites, he desires to meet with us. The tool, prayer. So confess, hey, I messed up God. Here I am again, the mess up. Right? And he forgives and he loves and he invites. uh, Isaiah 30 verse 18. I am a God of mercy and compassion and I exalt myself in mercy. And I desire to be merciful. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in the Lord. <laughs> okay, Thanksgiving. Uh, uh, so, so again, we, we have the, the C, uh, T, Thanksgiving. We're, we're, we're reading about it, right? But First uh, uh, Thessalonians uh, 5.18, right? In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Huh? 
Again, if you are, friends, if we are going through the ringer, I want to invite you, just come before the Lord. Don't hold back. Don't, don't, don't let that guilt, don't let that sin hold you back. Come to the Lord, for He is great, and He's also merciful, and He's also holy. Just come to Him and be grateful. And finally, that, that last part of that Acts illustration from, from origin is supplication. We're needy people. We're needy people. You know, I, I know sometimes we, we run the temptation of not wanting to talk to a person because they're, need, they're always needy. So it's like when they're calling you, you're like, oh, I'm not going to pick up. Or God's not that way. He's not going to silence your phone number when you call them. <laughs> He's not going to say, oh, sorry, I'm helping the XX person. I'm helping the, the. Bring your needs. And in fact, I think one of the, the best verses I've ever read on this supplication Philippians 4, 6, right? Philippians 4, 6. And, 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 and everything, this is it. So we're told not to worry, right? But the text in, in Philippians 4, 16 says, that, but in everything, by prayer, in everything, by prayer, and pleading, I love this, pleading with thanksgiving. Pleading with thanksgiving. Plead with thanksgiving and let your request be made known to God. Praise God for that. Perhaps this morning uh, you've been journeying with the Lord for many years, or perhaps even some of our friends online. You're seeking, you're looking. You, 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 you've been kept away because of your guilt and sin. I, I don't know. But this morning, may I invite us to just say, Lord, we are so thankful. We are so grateful. First, because as, as Paul was, was praying for the believers in, in, of the church in Colossae, he says, I thank God every time I pray for you. Every time we pray for you. But we are always thankful to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, thank you. Thank you because um, your word, yeah, your word is like a two-edged sword. Perhaps someone here is saying, uh, I might have figured this out wrong. How can I approach God in such a loving way? Even with raw emotions, how can I approach God? Well, David found that out. A humbled and contrite heart, Lord, you will not turn away. And Father, perhaps that's what it needs. That's what it means to be humbled and contrite. God, this feels raw. This pain is consuming me. This hurt, this disappointment, this anger, the resentment. Perhaps all of these things are just eating me up, Lord. But you provided one who is greater than my pain, than our pain even collectively, than our disappointment, 
the Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, who was buried, and on the third day resurrected, and now lives at the right hand of the Father, interceding. Oh Lord, thank you. Interceding for the saints. So Father, thank you. Perhaps this morning someone might say, I need that type of hope. I need that type of message. I want to experience that type of peace. The scriptures declare, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. I hope that would be your prayer here this morning and online. For us, Lord, who have been walking for, with you, may we be encouraged to develop this spiritual habit of prayer. Not just the prayer of personal prayer, but in the future that we could develop communal type of prayer and intercession for all the saints. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.